Hey guys, and welcome to Against the Grain, a podcast where we discuss how to live differently and take the narrow path that isn't popular in today's post-Christian culture. Our goal is to look at life differently through a biblical lens to understand how God wants us to live in today's day and age. We talk about current topics millennials are facing today, not talked about in the pulpit, and what they mean to us as Christ followers. Hey guys, and welcome back to Against the Grain. It has been a good while since I have done a podcast. In fact, I looked back and I think it was October 19th of 2019. So basically a year from now that I've done any recording. Um, I just taken some time off and um, focused on some other things that I had going on in life. Um, some accreditations um, that I wanted to get done. Had another baby. Um our little McCoy, which he is baby number two for us. And, uh, he's three months old now. So that's fabulous. And, and navigating that newborn phase is always fun. So anyways, um, what I wanted to chat about today is why you should delete your social media accounts. Um, specifically Jaron Lanier's book, 10 arguments for deleting your social media accounts right now. I am almost finished with this book. Highly recommend it. 10 out of 10 recommend it. It is just, it's really interesting because he is a techie, um, uh, very brilliant-minded scholar, in my opinion. He writes very well as, as well. And he presents um, these 10 reasons why social media should be deleted right away. Um and goes through these these conversation pieces with you and just kind of explains each one. Um, I just got done taking a break from Instagram for a month. It was a little over a month. And, oh, was it refreshing. I mean, I cannot even tell you how refreshing I felt. Um, and so today I'm kind of going to go into, I guess, what, why I do that. Why I take breaks very often. And what I get out of it and why I think you should take breaks too. Um, there was kind of another podcast similar to this, but this is going to be a little bit more about how algorithms work and how Instagram has changed thus far. Um, it has changed an extreme amount in just the month that I've been off of it. Um, I, I logged in and I noticed, um, where you used to have a heart button and you used to see where people liked or followed or requested to follow you is now, um, changed into a shopping icon where you can shop. Um, and so another interesting thing I found is when I went into unfollow a bunch of accounts, I thought I would purge my follow and followed list and make a more private account. Um, I hit a limit and there was an interesting limit. It, it had a little notification that came up and said, you have reached the maximum amount of um, unfollows that you can do in a day. And so I did a little more digging, um, and their excuse was that it protects the community. My question is, how does it protect the community? Does it protect the community or does it protect the algorithms that are basically, um, calculating your every move, um, and deciphering ads? Does it just make a shift to where the algorithms, it's too much for the algorithms to take in and adjust. They can only do it little by little. Um, so anyways, there is a limit on how many people you can follow and how many people you can unfollow in a day, how many people's stuff you can like. Um, basically, I was put into Twitter jail. I don't know how, or Twitter jail. 
um, Instagram jail. Not sure how long that, that happens or how long that is for, but I'm there right now. So interesting, very interesting. Um, one notable thing that I have always thought about Instagram and this book kind of confirmed it is that we are the product. So because it is a free app and nothing is free in life, as everybody knows, um, there's always a price, always a cost with everything. And the one price and the one cost of Instagram is that you are the product. You are what's being marketed to people. Um, to people. Who, who are people? Um, you are the product in the sense that Instagram makes money off of the ads that it runs. People pay to get um, a certain audience, which is achieved by these algorithms that exist on social media behind the scenes. So this is behind the scenes up in Silicon Valley. Um, and these, these algorithms are not necessarily always ran by people. Sometimes they are ran just solely by computers and they're tweaked by people. Um, which is very interesting to me. And the more I dove into this and learned about it, the more it actually freaked me out and made me want to delete my accounts immediately. So as I'm going into learning more about this, these algorithms, um, basically what they do is they, this is kind of creepy, so bear with me, prepare yourself. Um, these algorithms, these computer-based monitoring programs, when you scroll through Instagram, they look at how long you spend on each picture, what pictures you like, um, what links you click on based on the information you see. Google does this. Instagram does this. Um, there's basically Safari does this. That's why they're all connected. That's why when sometimes you Google something or you buy something on Amazon or Walmart, etc., um, you will see an ad for that on Instagram. Have you ever noticed that? It's, it's kind of creepy. Um, and if you're paying really good attention, you see that these algorithms are actually working exceptionally well. And the reason they're working exceptionally well is because, uh, basically your smartphone, um, is in the business of selling your data through your social media accounts um, to these companies. And so these companies are gathering all this data, right? They're gathering geospatial data. So they're not just gathering you as an individual's data, what you like. Okay. Do you like farming? Are you in the farming community? Are you in the organic community? Do you like the all natural scene? Are you a conservative? Are you liking primarily conservative news? Um, okay. They'll take that information and they'll sell it to these companies um, organic Valley, for example, if you're into organics and all natural and all that stuff, they'll sell that to them and they'll say, okay, we've got a pool of individuals, um, in this area, this geographic area, say, um, we're just outside of Chicago. They're really into the natural scene. Um, and they'll take that pool of people or just you yourself. And then that company will market directly to you. Um, see, and the book goes over this. We used to be when there was an ad presented in a newspaper, they had no way of monitoring, um, you know, how long you were reading that, if you were reading it at all. There was no user feedback. Today we have that user feedback. They monitor everything. 
Everything you click on, everything you look at, everything you buy is all sent into these algorithms and sent off to these companies who pay to have the ideal candidate to market to. That is the business that we are in right now. If you are in social media, you are giving out free data to these companies so they can better market to you. That's the price you are paying in order to exist online. And I hear a lot of people say, um, you know, well, I, I can't delete social media because it would ruin my business or, you know, it's, it's really innocent. Like I, I don't use it for those purposes. Um, my, my response is if it was truly that innocent, <laughs> I wish it was truly that innocent because if the people that were stealing your data to better advertise to you thought that way, there would be no problem with it. Um, but Jared Lanier's book basically goes into um, the fact that social media itself is not inherently bad. There are plenty of pros. Um, you can keep in touch with your family. You can share videos of things, you know, share information between people, share things that are important to you, connect with people that share your hobbies, networks, stuff like that. Um, but what's broken is the way it's set up behind the scenes. Um, and it needs reform. Social media needs major reform. And the reason it needs major reform is because these companies are stealing your data in order to better to sell them and then make money off of you. It's really a genius scheme. And the fact that it, the reason why it's so genius is because nobody really understands what's going on. Um, data privacy is, is very, it's a very contentious subject, but why is it not in the forefront of our minds? Why is it not the, the thing that we're concerned with the absolute most? Um, and that's my question to you. Why do we not get freaked out um, at the fact that these companies are taking every single thing we like? They're monitoring how long we spend looking at a photo when we scroll through. And then that all goes back into this computed algorithm and spits back basically a computerized simulated model of what they think we're going to like. So then they will filter and funnel more information at us that fits that, that idea that they have of us to see if it's correct. And it's basically, um, it's basically a mind game. We are the lab rats and they are the simulators. Um, and when you, when you figure out, when you figure this out, it's actually really scary. Um, and it's something that we should be taking seriously and we should be demanding reform on these social media giants, um, these monopolies that have just taken over the world, um, we should be demanding reform. Um, these could be really great tools for us in the future, but they are turning into just another consumeristic and honestly quite, frighten, quite frighteningly um, almost fraudulent system because once your data gets out there and it's being sold to these companies, it's out there. I mean, your data is out there. How many kids you have, um, when you were born, what age demographic you were in because of that and how that shapes your ideals, what you like, what kind of conservative news or liberal media news that you like. Um, and they sell all this stuff and they know everything about you. And that should scare you. That should scare the cahoots out of you because people have your data and they know who you are without 
it, it's like they've got a visual omnipresent godlike view on all of our lives and it's it's not like this is just scattered or it's here and there or it's sparsely dictated it it is everybody everybody uses these platforms there are very few people um like my husband who who do not use them and refuse to use them those are the people that they really can't market to and um it's their goal to get those people on board but it's just it's wild to think about where this is going to go in the future is it is it going to get so far as um big companies are going to start buying up data and um using that to simulate their perfect candidate and um another thought i thought of was you know how are we being presented with potential mates for example like online dating. So these algorithms actually put people in your network that are similar to you. So, I mean, how does that affect the partner that we're going to eventually marry one day, you know, and have children with? We are letting social media dictate who we marry, what jobs we get, what information, what news we consume. It's, it's crazy how much we are letting social media do for us. And we don't even realize that we're letting we think that everybody's seeing the same thing. And the book goes into some really interesting um, insider insights about how um, once you click on like a conservative um, a conservative based news outlet, it then filters more conservative news. And so in doing that, it's it's pulling in only conservative news. We're not seeing the other side of things. So we think, everybody thinks like us. And it's actually fueling a lot of hate and division in our society because when we think everybody thinks like us, when we meet somebody that doesn't think like us, um, for example, if you've only been seeing conservative news and you hear this outrageous liberal leftist, like we're going to abort a baby all the way up until birth, like let it be born and then lay it on the table and let it die. Um, you think, oh my gosh, that's absolutely crazy. Like why, everybody thinks like me, why do we not have like all pro-life legislation? Like, you know, everybody's in the same bucket as me. You then get like hatred and division stemming from that. And that's kind of a really wild example, but you know what I'm saying. So anyways, that changes the dynamic and that leads to more hatred and more division. And one of Jared's point, Jared's points were that, Social media is leading to more and more division amongst individuals in our society, which is true. It's tearing apart the fabric that knits us together. We're becoming much less empathetic towards each other and much more, um, much more, I guess, self-centered and much more, we think everybody thinks like us. And if you don't, there's gotta be something wrong with you. Um, so that's kind of like the premise of the book and it just goes into various, various things, um, along those lines. And it's just, it's just a super interesting book and it's a super interesting way to think about things, um, in the big picture. Um, now there are people like influencers, for example, that are making good money off of social media. And you might think, okay, well they have mastered the system. They really get it. Like, you know, they're making money off of individuals, um, by marketing their own products. Well, 
turns out the bummer, well, it's called the bummer system. Read the book and it'll go into that. It's the algorithms, um, basically. They are being used as well. So they are just a pawn in the grand scheme of things to market to you. So the big bummer scheme, the algorithm, takes their followers and then subcategorizes them as, okay, like, for example, I was a part of the Farm Wives Club kind of clan, I guess, on um, on Instagram for a long time. Um, I was then seeing a lot of marketing from ag companies and stuff like that because I was a part of the, you know, farming community online. Um, and so they take these influencers and then they take their followers and it's, it's easier to group them in subcategories based on interest that way. Um, and so it's just, it's just really interesting to think about, um, you know, it's, it's sad to think about being just a number. I think that social media takes away the humanity a lot of times. Um, and Jaren's book also talks about how, um, it puts you in these stupid competitions that nobody asks for. Um, like, why aren't you sent as many cool pictures as your friend? Why aren't you followed as much? And it's this constant dosage of social anxiety that just really pulls people into social media. And it makes us terrified to get left behind. Um, it's not positive all the time. And they make it that way purposely, purposefully, because fear sells a lot better than happiness. Fear and anger wells something up inside of you that's primal. It's a very primal. And it, it kind of just brings you back to a place of, you know, who's more popular and whose life is better and who has a better family and who makes more money and who seems to have it all together. And I, I don't want to be ranked, you know. I don't want to be ranked in the giant scheme of things by a crappy algorithm, algorithm. Um, and it's just, it's crazy. It's, we all have that demon in us that's competitive and it's, it's a natural thing, um, that all of us have inside of us and it's just in us, you know, it's just in us. It's part that we, it's part of us that we can't get rid of. So naturally we are drawn into, we're drawn into social media for that reason. Um, and then another point that he made that really stuck with me is, are we truly happy from spending time on social media? You know, a lot of people are like, oh, you know, it makes me happy to see what other people are doing and, and whatnot. But if ordinary people <clears throat> were to all get happy, we're all happy and satisfied, they might actually take a moment to get away from this obsession with social media numbers and go frolic in the flowers or you know, goodness forbid, have a conversation with an, with one another, you know, but, but it's, it's all a big popularity game. Like we're all on edge about who's more popular, who's a better influencer, who's bettering their business online, who can make it seem like they've sold the most t-shirts or, you know, they have the best little side gig possible. Um, and we, it's just, it's very, we're hooked, you know, cause we're, we're provoked to that natural kind of primal state of tribalism, you know, survival. Um, and honestly, quite frankly, it reminds me of a popularity contest in high school, which I absolutely hate because I never fit into any clique whatsoever. Um, but you see these clubs all through social media. There's a farming club, there's an organic club, there's a gardening club, there's a 
fitness club. And then you see these big influencers that make it look like their lives are perfect. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's wildly unrepresentative of what life actually looks like. Um, any of you who have worked a real job after college know that, you know, these influencers, it's not real life. And if you spent that much time on your phone, you would be fired. <laughs> your boss would not be happy. Those are not the characteristics and not the work ethic that they actually look for in, in the real world. I mean, at the end of the day, are you going to be able to put influencer on your job resume? Because to me, it's, it's not a tangible skill. It's not something that employers take seriously. Um, it's not something that companies take seriously. But anyways, that's kind of a sidebar. Um, so his point was that, you know, we were never happy. And I can't tell you also, honestly, looking back, has there ever been a time that I've ever been happier when I logged off than when I logged on? And I'm going to say no, honestly. There's always this void that leaves us when we log off because we're not getting that constant dopamine hit. There is a, an actual physiological change in our brains by looking at short-term information. We get a small dopamine hit each time we see something that makes us happy. It is, it is literally like an addictive drug. And a lot of people get very defensive about this and they say that, you know, I'm not addicted, Tiffany, you know, whatever. Like, I'm not addicted. I'm going to call Kung Pui on that, okay? And I'm going to call Kung Pui on that because put your phone down. Delete the app. Don't just delete it off your phone. Actually deactivate your account for a week, for two days even, for a month. And, and see what happens. Be very observant, are you getting withdrawal symptoms like a drug addict? Are you getting anxiety? Are you getting fear of missing out on things? Are you feeling alone or, you know, all of these nor like not normal things that are very representative of an addictive habit? Just like sugar, if we were to go cold turkey on sugar, you know, we would have withdrawals. It's an addiction. Sugar is an addiction. Drugs are an addiction. Alcohol is an addiction. The desire for attention and popularity is an addiction. Social media is an addiction. And a lot of people just will not admit that. And they will argue tooth and nail until they're blue in the face that they're not addicted. But the one thing I ask them to do is to go to the settings on your iPhone and look at how much time you spend a day on social media, specifically on Instagram or Facebook or whatever your drug of choice is. And you might be surprised. And then when you take that away, replace it with something that requires you to do deep work. Deep work is something that requires concentration for a longer amount of time than like a five to 10 minute period. It requires deep concentrative focus for probably a good 20, 30 minutes. See if you can do that. Because there have been studies that show that when we use social media for prolonged periods of time, um, the actual physical composition of our, I believe it's our frontal cortex, it's some component of the brain actually physically changes. So 
whichever part of the brain is responsible for deep work and deep focused concentration on a topic for a prolonged amount of time, that is the part that changes. So when we don't practice deep work constantly, and instead we're just constantly scrolling, and then our brain is is switching from this to this to this to this to this, our brain adapts to think that that is normal. And this is, this is an actual study. Go look it up yourself if you don't believe me. Um, it physically changes. So it makes sense in today's society that we have a lot more ADHD present and anxiety issues and, you know, really hard to focus people out there. Like they have difficulty focusing on tasks that are not, you know, they have trouble not multitasking. They can't focus on one thing. And I myself am guilty of it. I noticed it early on. It scared me pretty bad. Um, So I tried to diligently dive into deep work. And there's actually a great book that I um, have heard, well, several friends have have, uh, suggested that I read it. Um, It's called Deep Work, and it's it's next on my list um, to read. But it goes into the, basically how we do deep work and why it's important for our brains. Um, and these are life skills. These are, this is something that, you know, you don't want to physically change permanently. You want to practice deep work and maintain that skill and maintain that physical composition in your brain so you can actually do meaningful work in the future. Um, so yeah, that's just a, another little side note there. I'm not totally through the book, but he is very, very interesting. Um, and we share like quite opposite political views, but I'm always interested to hear on what other people have to say about these things, um, especially people that have worked in the industry. Um, there is a really good YouTube video on, it's the former VP of Facebook. Um, what is his name? Klamath Papatabia. I cannot even say his name. Um, but basically if you look up why social media is bad for you, um, he is on YouTube and he has a video talking about um, how he doesn't even let his own children, um, and there are many, many examples of this, um, how these these CEO, not the CEOs, but the people that have worked like in the uppity ups, like the VPs and the head of engineering, they don't let their children have social media. And I'm not talking like five years old, six years old, like some people do. I'm talking about like until they're 18 and then they can make their own decisions, like they know how dangerous this is and how, how, you know, many predators are out there and how this changes the physical composition of your brain and just all the anxiety and depression that they've seen it through studies, um, affecting, they don't let their own kids have it. So what does that tell you in the grand scheme of things? So I invite you to delete it and see how it affects you. I like to take breaks a month off. Um, because personally I find myself getting addicted to it very easily. And I find myself having an inner troll come out. Eventually I, I get jealous and I let comparison take over. And I just notice very evil features that are not the fruit of the spirit. They're not from God. They're very bad. And, um, I also notice, you know, a difference in my, my children and my time and how it's spent and my overall mood, And also I notice a difference in perception of myself, how I view myself. Um, When I don't have social media, I am the most confident person there is. I know what I want. I can focus on my goals. I can have a long-term plan. 
Um, and when I am on social media, I get anxiety. I get imposter syndrome. I think, okay, well, this person's selling, you know, finished beef. Maybe I should start a finished beef business. Like maybe that should be my niche, you know. They're doing it really well. Like I should do that too. Um, or, you know, maybe I should start this side business or this side business. And it's just this constant, you know, maybe I should be like this person or for me, it's just a really unhealthy relationship. For some people, it comes in the form of envy, like, okay, well, they have it a lot better than me. You know, I, I, I'm not that skinny or I'm not that pretty. And then you leave feeling your self-esteem is just destroyed. Um, so just examine yourself, how you feel after you log off. Um, like I said, I'm just in a lot healthier place when I'm not on social media. And uh, the Social Dilemma on Netflix, also a very good one to watch. Um, and I wish I had more resources to give you, but that's all I found so far. Um, just that study that shows the physical change in your brain. Um, pretty scary. <laughs> so, you know, we wonder, this is our generation, which has grown up with it. I don't know, millennials. We got it when we were, what, 14? There's children which their brains are still drastically developing at this change. How at this age, how is that going to affect them? Which is, it's just scary um, when you think about that. So anyways, those are just some points to ponder today um, while I'm thinking about it. And uh, it's just something that's been on my heart lately. I feel like God is really calling me um, to say that this is, this is the biggest idol in modern day history. This is the golden calf of today's idols. This is what it looks like. Um, anything you put before God is an idol. This is a modern day idol. Um, a lot of people put politics, the idea that a president is going to save them or is going to make things better. They put their faith in a president or his policies or a movement like a Black Lives Matter. Um, you know, and they often frame it within the context of being godly. That's a whole other conversation, but, or climate change, you know, all of these things are modern day idols. And maybe we'll, we'll talk about that on another podcast. Um, but definitely modern day idols, um, that we need to be aware of and we need to really be cautious of following and putting all our hope in. Are you spending more time in God's word than you are on social media? If not, that is a big problem. That's what you're worshiping. I'm guilty of it. You're probably guilty of it. It's, it's something that, um, you know, I'm not trying to Debbie Downer you today. I'm just, I'm just trying to open your eyes and say that, you know, your relationship with God is so important. It's just like working out to obtain a good body. It doesn't happen once a week. You know, you want a good body, you work out every day or six days a week. You know, same thing. If you want a good relationship with God, you need to be praying every single day. Sometimes, you know, five, six times a day, whatever your heart is calling you to do, whatever the Spirit's leading you to do. Um, you need to be getting these idols out of the way so you can focus on God and what he has to say. Um, that's another thing. When I'm, when I'm out of social media, I got a lot more time to read. I have a lot more time to get into my Bible and do that deep study and a lot more time to just sit on my porch 
um, and, and listen to the trees, listen to the spirit of God move, appreciate nature and say, okay, God, you've created this. Like, I feel your presence here. Come into me and, and lead me and guide me. And it's just, it's beautiful. When you take out all these distractions, um, these time fillers, and you just listen to the word of God, I mean, it's amazing. You know, the devil uses this stuff. They're, they're just a tool in the grand scheme. I'm telling you, friend, you don't have to be an influencer. It's, it's not a thing. You're not going to fall behind. You're not going to fall behind. You're not going to be able to not get a job because you're not, you don't have 20,000 followers or whatever, or because you don't make cool YouTubes or whatever. You know, these are all distractions that the devil is using to say, you know, if you don't spend all your time here, you're going to be left behind. No, refocus, refocus on what's important. And that's God and that's your family and that's doing his will and, and spreading the gospel and focusing on what's important. Your relationship with him is the most important thing. So that's just a thought for you today. Um, and I really hope that you got something out of this. Maybe it, maybe it made you think about things differently and that's what we're all about here. It's not me shoving my opinion at you. It's, it's just getting you to, to think differently and to question stuff that maybe you wouldn't have questioned before. Um, and to really just meditate on it and think about it and ask yourself, is this affecting my life? Give yourself that time to question and analyze and, and, and take some time off and get to know yourself a little bit better. Stop listening to what the world is telling you you have to be and just be yourself and figure out what that means to you. Figure out what God's calling you to do, what his plan for your life is. Don't look to social media to answer that for you. You don't have to sell graphic t-shirts to be successful. You don't have to start an Etsy shop. You don't have to write a book, you know. You, you'll never know until you get off social media and stop listening to everybody else and start listening to God and start praying on it and, and figuring out what you like to do by doing those hobbies and spending that time wisely. So anyways, that is my rant for today. I hope that you got something out of this and um, I love you guys. Um, have a good week. Um, it's Sunday right now um, and it's the day of the Lord, so go worship him, go to a quiet space in your house, pray, talk to him, be in his presence, sing your praises all week long. You're doing dishes, praise him, sing some hymns, fill your Alexa with some praise and worship music. Um, just love on him, guys. He is a good father. He's always there for us. Delete those idols out of your life. And, and focus on the one that will never disappoint, will never let you down, and will never leave you alone. He is always pursuing us. He is always good. He is always loving us. He, and he's always forgiving us. He's calling us to a better life. So start this week. Do his will for your life.